0: I'm going to tell you guys a quick story to kind of set up what I'm going to talk about. For those of you that don't know, back in the day, I was heavy into the new age. And one of the things that I used to do when I was into the new age was meditate on crystals. Now, I was also into tarot cards, palm reading, astrology. Basically, my attitude was all roads led to God. Whatever it was that you believed in, if it worked for you and made you a better person, then it was God or would lead you to God. That's a false narrative. That's called the theory of relativism. And that it wasn't my job to ever tell you that you were wrong or what you were believing in wasn't truth. That's what I used to believe. People would witness to me at Grateful Dead concerts or while I traveled the road going from show to show or many other places in my life. And I would say that I'm glad that works for you. I believe in Jesus, but I also believe in all of these other things. But my primary thing that I was into was the New Age and in particular, crystal meditation. Now I had some really warped beliefs. And I thought that I would share some with you today because they're actually kind of funny. <laughs> One of the things that I used to do when i travel around to Grateful Dead concerts is I would have all these different crystals. And I used to drive this old 1984 Oldsmobile Tornado. And it had like eight ashtrays full of pot roaches in every ashtray right? I was, I was a rolling deadhead machine. I had stickers all over my car with Grateful Dead stickers and Greenpeace stickers and, you know, legalize it stickers, all kinds of stuff. As I trucked down the road, a moving target just to be pulled over by police. I was a moving target and I had no concept of getting busted, okay? Zero concept. And so I would have all these crystals and I would line them up on my dash. I had... Uh, Rose quartz, clear quartz, amethyst, uh, black onyx. I had all these smoky quartz, all these different kinds of crystals. And actually, in the New year, in the new age world, the belief is each crystal has a healing power to it. And if I would meditate on those crystals, I believed it would bring healing to my body. Now to take it a step further. I had this one particular crystal that was about, it was one single point valued at about $3,000. It was about 10 inches long, about six inches wide, a clear quartz crystal, one point valued at, any New Ager that meditated on crystals would want this crystal, okay? And I called this crystal my home base. It was my home base. And what I would do is I would take this crystal and I would meditate on it for long periods of time, and I would put my energy into it, and it would begin to heat up in my hand, and a lot of times begin to almost oscillate, because quartz crystals are natural conductors of electromagnetic energy. And as I would meditate and put my energy into this crystal, I believed that I could speak to other spirits. Now, I didn't have an understanding of that. There are only two, three kinds of spirits, angels, demons, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, I didn't realize that. So I believed in black magic and white magic, and I believed I was a good person, and no matter what I did, if it produced life for somebody else, I didn't know any different. You have to understand, I was not raised in church. I didn't have Rock City growing up. I didn't know any of what I know now. And so I was looking for spirituality. In fact, I even called myself spiritual. I thought I was very, very spiritual back in those days. Here's what I believed, and this is a prominent teaching in the New Age world. Is that, is that God, or the creator, or Mother Earth, created the crystals to keep the earth in balance and in check. Then man comes along and starts destroying the earth and cutting, mining and cutting out and destroying crystals, and now the earth is completely off balance. But now it's my job to, in a sense, redeem those crystals, get them back, and if I meditated on them and used them for good purposes, I could bring Mother Nature back into balance laugh it up, guys. Just laugh it up. I know you think I. Now, granted, I was eating mushrooms, tripping acid, and smoking pot. I don't know what else to tell you, all right? Yes, I self defecate a lot, and I just don't care. That's how that works, right? And so what would happen is, is I'd take this crystal, and I would bury it in full moons in the ocean. I'd bury it in lakes and let it recharge. I do all this crazy stuff with it, thinking that it would have power But the truth is, is the stone was dead. The stone in and of itself had no power. Now, if I meditated on it, or, you know, watches and TVs and satellites have quartz crystals in them, and that if we could put power through it, the stone could become alive and, and have a purpose. But the truth is, is the stone was an idol. You know what the word "idol" means in the Bible? It means dumb. Do you know that? It means because it doesn't talk. And that's what that stone was. It was a dumb idol. (laughs) And it was a dead stone. Now, why am I telling you this? Because not only was the rock that I was meditating on dead, I was dead. I was once a dead stone in my trespasses, in my futility, in my idolatry, in my pursuing the things of the world, living the way that I lived, bar hopping, clubbing, drinking, sleeping around, thinking I was spiritual while I went to dead shows and covered myself in tie-dyes. That's just the, the route that I happened to go because I was actually looking for meaning and purpose. And I wanted to belong to something. And the Grateful Dead just happened to be my thing that I got hooked in in my late high school years that made me feel like I belonged. But today, it's always something for someone. We're always looking to be a part of something. But you're never going to fit or become a part of something until you get transferred from a dead stone to a living stone. Living stone. Yeah! Yeah! And so the scripture preface of what I'm teaching you today comes from a guy that was once a dead stone. He actually was a detached rock until one day he fully gave his life over to the Lord because of revelation, and he then became a living stone, a guy by the name of the apostle Peter. And here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, Verses 5 and 6. Verse 5. Coming to him. I'm sorry, verse 4. Coming to him as a living stone. So the first thing you have to realize is that Jesus is the living stone. You can go back and listen to last week's message. It was titled, The Chief Cornerstone. And I taught about a cornerstone and why he's likened unto the cornerstone. And that every other stone has to conform to the cornerstone. And in the building process you have a foundation and then you have the cornerstone that's cut exact measurements and every other stone in the edifice which is a large building or the temple or whatever's being built with stone has to conform to the to the cornerstone. So we don't con- so the cornerstone does not conform to us. The cornerstone doesn't conform to your life. See, we want God to do a lot of things, but we want Him to do it our way, when God wants you to conform to His way. And so everything has to hook up to the living stone. You know what happens when you're not hooked up to the living stone? You're a dead stone. Now, do you have potential? Yes. Are you full of promise? Yes. But diamonds and rubies and all these beautiful, valuable, precious stones are not valuable when they're in the earth. They're valuable when they're mined, refined, cut, and set into place of where they're supposed to go. Right? I mean, think about it. I mean, yeah, they have value in the earth, but until you dig that thing out, until you throw some dynamite in the hole, until you blast up the quarry, and then you come out and get measured and cut. I'll talk about precious stones next week. Today, I'm talking about building stones, and I'm talking about being fitted to the cornerstone, The cornerstone is what we conform to. The cornerstone does not conform to you. Understand that. Now, the cornerstone is alive. Why? Because he resurrected. He's not in the grave anymore. We have a living, alive stone that we can hook up to that produces life when you get hooked up to it. See, you'll never produce life or become life until you get hooked up to the life which is the chief cornerstone. You'll never be built. You'll never become something. Your house won't stand. When the flood and the wind and the rain and the storms comes, your house will crumble if you are not in position, in place, hooked up to the cornerstone. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Mark my words. I'm wasting my time in my home and my family, in my future, in this church. If I am not letting Jesus build the house, it's a waste of time. Now the cornerstone's already put in place. Here's the good news. All y'all can get hooked up to the cornerstone. He's already there. He's already here. This is the awesome thing. You didn't have to, there's nothing you could have done to get the cornerstone in place. But now what you have to do is become a living stone. How do you become a living stone? You get born again and you surrender all to Christ and now I'm alive, not dead. Now I'm not just a crystal that I think can channel spirits. I'm actually full of life because Jesus is in me. If you're born again, you have a full-grown Jesus in you, and now you've become alive and you're growing. If something's alive, it grows. If it's dead, it dies. If a tree's not growing, what's it doing? It's dying. So Jesus is the living stone. He was rejected by men. You know what it means to be rejected? I know in the natural sense, we just think to ourselves, to be rejected is to say, I don't want you, and that's part of it. But there's a couple great words that help us to understand rejected better. The first one is, I'm disallowing you. It means that I'm not allowing you to become who you're supposed to become. I'm not believing that you're going to become who you're supposed to become. Many of you don't believe in yourself, but at least somebody else can believe in you. Jesus knew who he was, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Israelites of the day, except for the few disciples that, Jesus, that followed Jesus, they disallowed him, in a sense, to become who they thought he was supposed to be. Now, he became it anyway, but to reject means to be disallowed. It also means to be repudiated. How many of you know what it means to be repudiated? Well, good, there's not a lot of you. that I've come up with a good word today. <laughs> to be repudiated means that I refuse to accept or be associated with. It means to deny the truth or validity of someone and to cast off. Actually, if you look up the word repudiate, repudi- uh, you know what it really means? It really means to divorce. That's the root word. It means to divorce. And what happened was... Here came the bridegroom, fully loving, fully giving, fully laying his life down to become the bridegroom, but Israel, in a sense, rejected him or divorced him. You understand? Now, in a moment, I'm going to show you two very powerful words. In a moment, I'm going to show you two words that says, basically, just as it was for him, so it will be with you somebody's going to reject you. Somebody's going to disallow you. Somebody is going to repudiate you and say, I don't want anything, I don't believe who you are, or I'm not going to empower you to become who you're called to become. That's a normal part of the process in the kingdom. But the main thing is, is we shouldn't be doing it in the kingdom of God. As sons and daughters, that shouldn't be happening. And if you feel like it's happening to you, and maybe it is in the church Here's, I got a great newsflash for you. You reflect Jesus, not what the other person's doing to you. Because some of you feel rejected here. I know that. Some people have left this church because they feel rejected or that they're being disallowed. That's not the culture of this church. But if we don't fit together, hooked up to the cornerstone, because it's not about me. Here's what I mean by that. I don't expect you to conform to me. I conform to Jesus, and when I get put into the wall or into the house, now I'm a life-giving force to everybody else that I'm connected to. And in building this house, it's almost like God puts me as the cornerstone. Really, it's Jesus, but we're building something or he's building something together. Because I quoted to you a few weeks ago, or maybe last week, in 1 in, uh, Corinthians 3, talks about you're God's field, we're God's house, and then Paul says, I'm a master builder, a craftsman. He says, but, and I've laid a foundation, but somebody else will come on as another craftsman to build on that foundation. So everybody say, I'm a craftsman. I'm a craftsman. Now it's not my deal, it's Jesus' deal. This isn't a David Bendet thing, and it's not just a Rock City thing. We are being built with the church all over the world. But God builds local churches to be connected together, to be family, so we're fitted and hooked together to offer spiritual sacrifices as a community, common unity. That's why we have to be connected. If my hand's cut off, it doesn't do me any good, does it? And I know this church is imperfect, but all churches are imperfect. And if you think it's going to be perfect, as soon as you show up, it will be imperfect. Mark my words. So everybody say, I'm coming to him. How long, how often do we come to Jesus? Once a day, Sundays and Wednesdays? Just in the morning. In my devotion time. How often? Let me explain something to you about how I live. This isn't playtime for me. This isn't about my title or growing a church. This is reality. This isn't a foreshadowing of something to come. This is now. This isn't a dress rehearsal. This isn't we're all learning in the process. This is people are dying in the midst of my watch. Marriages are on the rocks. And if you're not aggressive to keep your eyes on Jesus continually, all the time, you will get your hiney kicked. And this isn't nice, comfy church. This is aggressive, spiritual warfare church. We're apostolic, prophetic, not nice pastor, teacher to behavior modify your life. Get spirit led and get hooked to the cornerstone. And let's stop complaining and being divisive. I'm sorry. I know that I wasn't there enough for you and somebody else wasn't. Why don't you be there for somebody else? Get connected. Get the heartbeat. Get the culture. Become like Jesus and let's do this together. It's a family. That's who you are. And it's gonna be messy no matter where you go. Many people have left the church only to realize it was just as messy where they went. What's the heart in the culture? I'm not in my 20s and single, and I'm not in my 80s with kids gone out of the house. I'm in my late 40s with a five and six year old. (laughs) And I'm bivocational. Get into position, get into position, get into position. Hooked together, not isolated. You're a living stone when you're part of a living house. Do you understand? This is tingling ear message, make you feel good and hope you come back. This is get you shaped, cut, and in a position and measure you. When Solomon built the first temple, there wasn't a chisel or a hammer heard because everybody was built in the quarry. And let me tell you where you get built. You get built in the quarry of your life. God sustains you, creates you, cuts you, shapes you in the midst of life. And instead of complaining about your life situation, just ride it out. Buckle your seatbelt and say, mold me, shape me, cut me. And then when you walk in here, I go, oh, you are a nice cut stone. Come over here. I got a place I'm going to put you in the wall right now. And I'm going to put your name on the stone. Your name is going to be written on the stone when you get built into this house. God has a way, and he will blast you with dynamite in your private life. And then it'll cut you, shape you, edge you, refine you. The word create in the Hebrew means to first cut down. Y'all want to be something great, don't you? Just get cut then. Think about being cut. Every Circumcision in the Old Testament today is your heart got cut by God's word, the sword of the spirit. So God comes in and circumcises your heart. So now I don't have to actually be circumcised in the natural. When I get born again, and God didn't just cut circumcise me one time, I'm un- under constant circumcision. Because I'm in a constant death process. I die daily. Just say, cut me, Lord. Trust me, in the cutting is the refining, it's the pruning. Any branch in me that bears fruit, guess what he does? He prunes it so that you can what? Bear more fruit. This is good preaching right now. Let me just tell you, I am preaching good today. Yeah! Woo! Thank you, Jesus. So we're coming to him as a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God. You know what it means to be chosen? It means I picked you out. Or he picked Jesus out, but then he picked you out. He picked me. Everybody say, he picked me. How about this? Say, he picks me. He picks me. Jesus said in John 15, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So you got hand picked. You are elected. Stay in the office. I know it's hard. There's a process. David had to go through Saul. So keep playing your harp. You hear me? Even when somebody's throwing spears at you. Keep singing your song. Even when somebody wants to kill you. That's what Jesus did, and that's what I'm going to do. How about you? Now, two very incredible words. Go to the next verse, second, or First Peter chapter two, verse five. Everybody say, "Me also." Me also. <laughs> How about I say it this way? "Me likewise." Me Just as it was for him, me also." Yeah. So now, as he is the living stone, who was rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Guess what you are? You're not a dead stone. You're a living stone. You will be rejected by men, but you're chosen by God and you're precious. I'm not even teaching on precious stones this week. I might get to it next week. I'm going to tell you something cool about precious stones in a minute. So us also as living stones. This word living in the Greek is the word zao, not zoe. Zoe is the life that Jesus gives. When he comes into you, rescues you, delivers you, and makes you into something, the word Zoe life means that I'm animated, vibrant, and vigorous, and I'm fired up because I'm not the person I used to be. I'm a new man, and now I'm a new man because of a man that's living in me. That's Zoe life. This word Zao life is the result of that. They're similar in in uh, words in the Greek word but it's a little bit different. I'm a za'o stone. It means, another word for it is, coming to you also as lively stones. It means I'm lively. I'm lively. It means that I'm not lifeless. It means that I'm a stone that enjoys real and true life, real and true life. It means I'm active. Everybody say, I'm active. I'm blessed. I have vital power to accomplish God's purpose on earth. That's the kind of living stone that we are. I I have vitality and vigor, and I'm a life giving force to create God's purposes on earth, to fulfill. It means I'm fresh like fresh bread. Think about a living stone, living water, living bread. I'm fresh and I'm strong, I'm efficacious. You know what it means? We got some doctors in the house. You know what it means to be efficacious? You know what efficacy means? Efficacy means the response of something that influences and affects your life. In particular, we talk about prescription medications or the efficacy rate, how your body, how your body absorbs it how it soaks it in, and the result of taking the pill. If you have a headache and you take two Advil, that Advil has an efficacy rate in your body of how your body absorbs it and how it affects you by taking away the headache. Now think about your life as efficacious in this sense. I'm contagious. So if somebody gets around you, you should be efficacious because you are a living stone. It also means this, what's your efficacy rate with Jesus inside of you? What's your response time? Some of you are on a long response time. You know, a slow release tablet? You're like on a 10 year release tablet. You know, let me tell you something. You got two choices in your life. I'm gonna make this the most simple that I can make it for you. You have two choices of how you can live. You can do it the easy way or you can do it the hard way. And the hard way is constantly beating your head against a wall because that's what happens when you reject Jesus. Do you know you can call yourself a Christian and still reject Jesus? You know how? By your lifestyle. And I want you to see this word, sacrifice is acceptable to God. Yes, there are sacrifices that are unacceptable. If you come in with bitterness and unforgiveness, and, oh, Jesus, and I'm bitter and angry, the Bible says God won't even hear your prayers. If I'm I'm treating my wife wrong, the Bible says God won't hear my prayers. This block of scriptures is sandwiched between right living. You know that? No hypocrisy, no malice, no strife, no division. And so we want to come into the church, and we're ready to praise and worship, but in the meantime... You're bitter, angry, mad. I get it. I'm sorry. It's a mess. Hey, you know what? There are plenty, plenty of times that my wife makes me mad as fire. And she, I, I make her mad as fire. So I have to remind myself when Jesus said, forgive 70 times 7 in a day, that that forgiveness is every three minutes. So I get three minutes to manifest my issue. <laughs> you mad right now? I'll give you two minutes and 59 seconds from right now. There are unacceptable sacrifices. It has nothing to do with God's love. When my daughter threw the TV remote and whacked my son in the head yesterday, and then she scream, my son screaming his head off, and she's screaming, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it, and I come roaring down the stairs, Sadly, I have a house that has a lot of different rooms and like a center island. She starts running for her life. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I'm like, get back here right now. No, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry while she's running for her life. (laughs) That's not an acceptable apology. And I'm mad chasing her around the house because I can't catch her. <laughs> Couches, center islands. It's funny now, but I was mad yesterday. You see, when I, whenever they melt down on each other or sin against each other, what I teach them to do is I have them stand face to face, and the one apologizes, even if they're melting down, and the other one forgives, and then I make them hug. Because I teach them what an acceptable apology is. Now, did I already forgive them? Is there anything my kids could do going forward that I would not forgive them for? No. Did Jesus already pay the price on the cross, put the cornerstone in place, and fully forgive all y'all of anything you've ever done? You're already forgiven now. But there's something powerful about coming to him as a sacrifice in repentance. Coming to him and saying, you know what, Lord? Lord. I'm sorry, did he already forgive you? Yes, but Lord, man, I feel really bad because that's called godly sorrow. And godly sorrow leads to repentance and salvation. But if you live in shame and worldly sorrow, you'll die. It leads to death. So the scripture goes on to say that anybody that believes in the chief cornerstone and hooks up to him will never be put to shame. Listen to what I'm about to teach you. You will never be put to shame, ever, 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 ever. You can come to Jesus every single time you vomit, and you'll never be put to shame. Who puts each other into shame? Yourself, the devil, or another Christian or another person tries to put shame on you. I don't want that in this house. I have heard the craziest of the craziest stuff. I'm a pastor. I've heard the most craziest meltdown things in families. People have done stuff... I mean, you don't know how many times I'm in a counseling session or meeting with somebody and I have to really keep a straight face. I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm biting my lip. I'm like, it's rare that I've not heard something. But the other day I went, oh my, I could never heard. This. I wish I could tell you the story, but I just can't. I mean, it was like, It was crazy but what I can't do is put shame on them. No matter what you've done or where you've been, most of you have never murdered somebody. (laughs) Let's hope all of you have never murdered somebody, wow. (laughs) Now, just so you know, I have had somebody confess murder to me at the altar. I have had that, yes. And so, We don't, so there's no shame when you come to Jesus. Should there be shame when somebody comes to you? Even if they did you wrong? That's why y'all need to go listen to my Wednesday's message because if I'm not beholding Jesus as in a mirror, I'll reflect your issues. You throw them at me, I'll respond right back at you. You treat me, but you don't want to mess with me, dude, because I will tear you up. You want to go after it? I'll go after it. Wrong attitude. That's not kingdom. That's how you used to be. Eye for an eye. Eye for an eye is not kingdom. Jesus said, love those who persecute you. Bless those who hate you. And so I'm telling you, you gotta be, you gotta accurately reflect. So no matter what she does or no matter what I do, if we have our eyes on Jesus, I'll be a reflection of Christ. So instead of putting shame, love covers a multitude of sins. But if you reject Jesus, like, if you disallow or repudiate, what happens? The, the scripture says, a few scriptures after this, you'll live your whole life offended, mad, and stumbling. And at some point, you get tired of hit, hitting your head against a wall. Don't you? Look, you can, some of you young adults can just learn the lesson now. Just learn it now. Take my word for it. Don't touch the stove when it's burning hot. But if you do get burned and touch the stove, there's forgiveness and kindness and mercy. But you might have a scar on your hand. So we're living stones. Everybody say, I'm a living stone. stone. We're not dead stones. When we come to Jesus, we're resurrected into new life. This is the life we live because we're hooked to the cornerstone. Here's what a dead stone is. A dead stone is unmined and unrefined. A dead stone is still in the quarry or in the ground and has not been blasted out or put in a position. It has no life. That's a dead stone. So let's say this together. Say, mind me and refine me. <laughs> mind me. You know what I see when I look at y'all? I don't care what you're going through. I see gold. Even Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, saw gold. And the very people he loved the most rejected him. The very people that he cared the most about were MIA, except for two, his mom and John. One disciple betrayed him and wasn't there. Another disciple sold him out. Nine disciples that he'd walk with for years weren't even at the cross. And you know what he said? I see gold. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we're living stones, and what's happening with us? We're becoming like Peter became. So let me show this to you, Matthew 16, 15. Matthew 16, 15 through 19. Here's the backdrop of the story. Jesus takes the disciples to Caesarea Philippi. Now, if you remember when I taught about Caesarea Philippi, or if you'd like to do some research, Caesarea Philippi is in the Golan Heights. And this particular area was full of idolatry, and it was the headquarters for one particular god or idol named Pan. And Pan means panic or fear, terror. It's the spirit of fear and terror. And the Roman government had set up camp there, was was producing currency full of idolatry and telling Israel that they needed to use this money. They were pretty upset about it. So Jesus just happens to march up to the Golan Heights and gets to Caesarea Philippi. And then while he's standing there in front of all of these gods, he says, who do you say that I am? He He asked Peter, who does everybody else say I am? But then he asked Peter, who do you say I am? And notice what Peter says in verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, "You are the Christ, the Son of the not a dead God. He got revelation by the Father in the moment, standing in front of all these dead idols, that Jesus is the Son of the Living God. Notice what Jesus says in verse 17. Jesus then said, "You are blessed." Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but who revealed it? I can preach revelation all day long, but until you catch it for yourself, until the Father reveals to you who Jesus is as the Son of the living God, you will not become a living stone. Notice what happens when Peter gets the revelation. Peter declares the revelation. Jesus says, you are blessed. Now Jesus reverses and says, let me tell you who you are. Look at the next verse, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it. Here's what happens. When you see Jesus for who he really is, you will see yourself for who you really are. And Peter did not understand who he really was until he stood in front of all of his fears and idolatry at Caesarea Philippi, got the revelation. Until you get the revelation of who Jesus is and stay on it, you will not get an accurate understanding of who you really are. He gets the revelation of Jesus and Jesus flips the tables and reflects to him his true identity as in a mirror. Peter would see Jesus as in a mirror and Jesus would say to him, This powerful statement, you have been Peter, the detached rock, or a rock. Now I'm gonna build you on this rock. It's the rock of Jesus, the cornerstone. It's him becoming a living stone, and it's the rock of revelation of my identity. Because when you get the revelation of your identity, you walk in supernatural power to come against the gates of hell instead of getting your crack kicked by the gates of hell. That's what happens. I'm telling you right now, until you get the understanding of who he is and who you are, you'll be played like a puppet. But notice what happens. Jesus says the gates of hell, you've been living defensively at the mercies of the world and the economy or the White House or this world system. I don't care what it is or someone else. But when you get your identity, you get rooted on a new identity, the rock of Christ, and now the gates of hell can't prevail. And then guess what happens? Everybody say, he gives me a key say it like you mean it. He gives me a key. How about you say it this way? He makes me a key. Look at the next verse, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's why. Once you get rooted to the rock, you walk in incredible power and authority. And he makes you a wall of force to be reckoned with that no, nothing can penetrate. That also has the power to destroy the wiles of the enemy and this dark system that's around us. Do you understand it? Yeah. Let me give you some powerful revelation. So you can really see it in perspective. Revelation 21. We're not going to go there. Don't go there. Just listen to me. In Revelation 21, there's a whole passage about the New Jerusalem. And in the New Jerusalem, it says that John was taken by the angel that had the final plague up into a high mountain. And the New Jerusalem came out of the mountain like a precious stone. Shining like a precious stone, one. And then John sees the, the, the new Jerusalem, and he says this. He says, it had 12 gates, three on every direction, north, east, south, and west. And the gates were all one giant pearl. And at every gate was a giant angel. And written on every gate was the name of... Each gate had a name of the 12 tribes of Israel written on the gate. And then it says there were 12 foundations underneath the wall. And every foundation, the 12 foundations underneath the wall, were written the names of the apostles. And upon closer and further inspection of every foundation, were all kinds of precious gems and jewels that has your name written on it. You are being built into a house. You're a precious gem and jewel built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets into the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem. We're being built that right now. If you could see that you're being built under pressure. I know you have pressure, but no precious stone becomes a precious stone without heat, fire, pressure, cutting, molding, shaping, and then being set into position. You are not set into position until you're refined, cut, and shining brilliant like Jesus is. Woo! Man, that's powerful. So back to 1 Peter 2.5, everybody say, I'm being built up. <laughs> you know what it means to be built up? It means to be edified. You know how you get edified in the New Testament? The breath of God. Prophecy and edification are hand in hand. To be prophetic simply means that God breathed on you. So when you look at the scripture and you say, everybody say a spiritual house. Yeah. Say spiritual offerings. Yeah. The word spiritual is the word pneumatikos. It means God breathed or the wind blew you. It's the Holy Spirit actively involved in your life. Nothing is sustained without God's word or his breath. And so what happens is, is that we become a spiritual house that we're being built up into. Why? Because you're alive. Everybody say, he's building me. Now, are all y'all a spiritual house yet? (laughs) I won't answer that. When you're... Is God working in you regardless? Trust me, God's love and mercy will get you one way or the other. That's what I believe. I'm so optimistic. I believe God is going to get you. Either it's going to be the easy way. Mark my words. I love you all so. I've been through more adversity, hurricanes, death, failures, mistakes. I have had more miserable sleepless nights, and I can tell you. And at some point, I heard the pop. You know what the sound of the pop is? That's the sound of your head popping out of your rear end. That's when you finally wake up. Now, I could have said that a lot meaner. There's two ways to look at a T-bone steak. That's all I'll tell you right now. At some point, you hear the pop. Wow, we went sideways all of a sudden. Man, whoa! So to be built up means that you are being restored, repaired, established, edified, and you're growing. You start as a seed and you become a mighty tree. And without nourishment and watering and sunlight and fertilizer, and without us offering spiritual sacrifices, we die. We're becoming a spiritual house. And everything in the context of the scripture is corporate. Last week, I talked about your personal life. Now I'm talking about us as a corporate house, a spiritual house that's built by the breath of God. It's called Lordship. And I want to tell you all something. There are so many books and so many pastors that I could learn from of how to build a church. There are more church building manuals and programs and PowerPoints, and I can pay people, and every week, I can learn all the latest, greatest, coolest hippest or I can keep my eyes on Jesus and try to do it his way and have good people in my life that build me up and edify me and make sure that I don't get sidetracked and encourage me and speak life. Do I learn from others? Yes, but at the end of the day, if I put my hands on the steering wheel of this church, we will crash. I've had more dreams of me driving a bus that went off the cliff. Now more often than not, the recurring dream is we land in the lake and everybody was at the bottom And I swam down, ripped the top of the bus open, and rescued everybody. It's just like David when he led his own mighty men into war with the Philistines against Israel. And while he's gone, here come the the enemy on the backside, and they burn down Ziklag and take the wife, the children, and all their stuff. And then who wanted to stone who? David's mighty men wanted to stone David. Now, I hope that I never burn our stuff down. And I hope I'm never like that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to go fight wrong. I want to fight right. But we're fighting wrong if we're fighting each other. Refresh yourself in the Lord like David did. Get into position. Get refined. Get cut. And let's slide right into place. Just slide right into place. Do the electric slide. Do the moonwalk. I don't care how you do it. Slide right into place. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Let me just show you how critical this is because there's something about together. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. When you get born again, you are no longer a stranger or a foreigner, but you become a citizen of the household or family of God all over the world. You should not be feeling like a, a foreigner or a stranger here in God's house sometimes it's because we have put fences and walls around ourselves to keep people at bay because we don't want to be hurt again. Or we don't want to be put in shame. If they really knew what I was doing, I'd be shamed. Sometimes it's our own fault because we're learning how to do it in process and maybe we reflect the wrong way because we're not keeping our eyes on Jesus and loving the way we should love. I'll self-deprecate right now. I wish I could tell you we were all perfect, but you know what? We're all in process. And we're all stones being fit together and built into a house. And it takes time and process and pressure and cutting and refinement. But if you're being offended and angry, you don't get to pick your church. You don't get to leave me because leave me you're mad. Trust me, go try somewhere else. God will not let you stay there. <laughs> Mark my words. It takes time. Most other churches in town have been around for a lot longer or done a lot longer than I have. And they've just made more mistakes and gotten more refined. I'm not knocking any church. There are people that will be called to other churches and not here. That's all right. God builds a tribe and a family. He builds a house, okay? So you're not a stranger and foreigner, but you're fellow citizens together with who? Saints and members of the household of God. Everybody say, I'm a fellow citizen with the person sitting next to me. That's how that works. Verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of who? The apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. Verse 21. In whom the whole building, everybody say, the whole building building. fitted together. Not isolated unto themselves, fit together. I have to fit with you. You have to fit with me. I have to fit with y'all. You have to fit with me. You guys have to fit with the leaders, and they have to fit with you. And the more that are coming, and the more that get promoted. So I want to tell you guys, don't miss next Sunday. I'm making a huge announcement regarding a promotion for the high school ministry. You want to be here next Sunday. Because we're going to be fitting together with some new leaders in this house. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So we're being fitted together, and it grows into a holy temple. Everybody say, it grows. it grows. But not if it's isolated. I'm telling you guys, we can't grow. Could you imagine if I just threw in the towel, said, I quit, I'm done. I'm just, it'd be so much easier to not do ministry and just focus on my own. I'm going back to Port A. I'm going to drink macchiatos and fish morning and night. I love you all. Have a nice life. It would be a tragedy for both you and me. Trust me. It would be a tragedy for my family. So everybody say, I'm fitting together. Fitting together. I'm growing together. together. And now I'm going to leave you with this. In closing, I'm going to teach you something really powerful. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, that we're a holy priesthood you know what it means to be holy holy means holy holy means holy i don't know how to say it to you holy is not carnal holy is that i'm making sacrifices that are pleasing and acceptable to god not unacceptable sacrifices not living like the devil and coming into church and pretending now i know some of you are living like the devil and you're coming to church and you're sincere it's a heart issue for a long time i kept going to church while i was living like the world but i didn't want to live like the world and then God finally got a hold. I smoked pot for my first year of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'd pray in tongues smoking doobies. <laughs> and sneaking because I thought I needed dance. I loved to dance. I love to dance. I love to get my sweat on. So I'd go to the club and I wouldn't drink, but I'd be dancing as a Christian. One day God opened my eyes to show me all the demonic dark forces around me. And I never went back to that club again. Now I'll go back to some bars. I go to bars all the time but I'm wearing a big, giant yellow cross on my back with the Tribe of Judah Motorcycle Ministries going to benefits, and now I'm walking in full of light and power to transform lives, not hang on and... (laughs) I'm not getting my groove on in the bar. not sure what happened today, but. <laughs> Everybody say, I'm a holy priesthood. holy priesthood. Holy means holy, sanctified, set apart, continuously offering sacrifices. We continually offer sacrifices to God, okay? Now, let's talk about spiritual sacrifices as I leave you. Here is the first spiritual sacrifice that I could think of. It's not in any particular order. Romans 12.1. Everybody say, my body. my body. You know why this one's so cool? Because it's the least you can do. Do you know reasonable service actually is, is re-said? It's the least I can do. Everybody say, it's the least I can do. I can do. Pornography's got to go. Masturbation's got to go. Strife, division, lust, alcoholism, pills, drugs, got to go. My body is the least I can do, but I can't do it without him in me. And even when I bomb it, if you've been bombing it with porn or any of the things I just mentioned, I got great news for you. You're in the right place. Keep coming as a sacrifice. You know why? Because for me, the more I walked into church broken, the harder I worship because I was desperate. I already know the shame thing. So I would bomb it and blow it and walk into God's. I don't want to keep doing those things. I wasn't being stupid in the sense that I thought I could, could keep doing it and wanted to, but I was so desperately in need. I worshiped even 10 times harder than if I had it all together. And so you, I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice to the Lord every time I come into God's house and all the days of my life. The next kind of sacrifice that I want to talk to you about is worship. Your life and your giving. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. Check this out. You're going to really like this. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us every now and then. Let us once a week, twice a week, once a day. The word is continually. Continually means continue. I don't know what to tell you. You can get there. This is how fired up I want you to be. No, you don't. There's no reprieve from the cornerstone. There's not a two-minute break from Jesus. I need a Jesus timeout. No such thing. How often? Off for what? Sacrifices Praise is a sacrifice. Praise is a sacrifice. So I'm challenging all y'all. Let's worship I mean, worship our faces off in God's presence. When you come in here, I mean, this worship teams we are giving it all. My hands are sore for about three days after a Sunday morning. And I'm not doing it for you. This is not a concert. Amen. And it doesn't matter how I felt when I came in. And it didn't matter what my kids did this morning. And it didn't matter what happened with my wife and I last night. <laughs> Trust me, it was a good thing. Hey. That guy I worshiped even harder when I came in, let me tell you. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Oh (coughs) man. Do you do you love me? She says a little. So we're being built together. To offer spiritual sacrifices to God. Everybody say, the fruit of my lips. <laughs> come on, guys. Don't come in here in shame. I know you might have blown it and bombed it. Worship, be louder. Sing more. Give, your, give yourself to the Lord every time. you Daily, night and day, sing. I got Ryan Ellis' new, new album. You can find it on, on iTunes or Spotify. Man, I'm singing those songs. I am belting it out in my truck. They're, I mean, I love him. Go get the album. I got a lot of worship music that I just sing, sing, sing. It's fruit of my lips, giving thanks to his name. So giving thanks, sacrifice. Verse 16, here's another sacrifice. How you live your life and sharing with others. Can I tell you how hard it is to get my five and six-year-old to share? They fight over every toy. If it's his toy, it doesn't matter if she ever wants it. Well, first of all, if he's playing with it, she wants it. That's how it works. But if he's not playing for it, she doesn't want it, and vice versa. If she's playing with it, he wants it. And then they don't want to share. I have to teach them to share. Don't be like my five- and six-year-old in this church. You're not five- and six-year-olds. Everything you have came from the Lord. So notice he says it's a sacrifice to God when you share. Don't be greedy. Don't be stingy. When you give financially or of your time, you're not really giving to me. You know, I think it's crazy. If I preach good, people will give. If I don't preach good or I made you mad or I forgot to text you or call you back, which I do all the time, by the way, man, you're mad. You don't want to give. But you're not giving to me. It's a sacrifice to God. Let me show you the other scripture, Philippians 4.18. Look at this scripture. Paul says, I have all and abound. I'm full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. He's talking about money that was sent to him, a sweet-smelling aroma. Your finances are a sweet-smelling aroma, and it's an acceptable sacrifice, and it's well-pleasing to God. So when I give money, I just do what God tells me to do. I don't care what the other person does with it because it's a sacrifice, and I'm being obedient because it wasn't mine to begin with. So we're talking about spiritual sacrifices. This is just some. Worship, your body, your finances, your life, how you live, sharing, meals, coffee. I get it. It's an inconvenience. We can all be busy. Sure. It's an inconvenience to me when some of y'all's marriages are melting down and I need, you need rescuing. But you know what? I don't care about being inconvenienced because I'm not living a life of opportunity. I live in season and out. Ready. Ready. Because we fight for one another. If I fight for you, guess what will happen? You get healthy, you'll fight for someone else. That's what I need you to do. And I need you to do it for each other. I need you to do it for each other. Everybody say, I'm a living stone. I'm a living stone. Now, I'm going to tell you this real quick. We're call- this-, this whole message is about us becoming a spiritual house corporately. This whole message is about us being fit together. This whole message is about us becoming a living sacrifices and continually making sacrifices in our personal life and together corporately. And so we've asked this church to make a sacrifice financially. And so I, I'm not receiving an offering now, so don't freak out. And the message wasn't about an offering. But I'm going to share with you why we are calling what we're doing a Living Stones campaign. Campaign. Because this church is being built into a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices and dead stones are going to walk in here and become alive. Amen. Right? So we asked, uh, we're asking y'all that are part of this church to give a pledge towards the Living Stones campaign and what we're doing is each brick will have a word on it that will represent living. Like the voiceless. Like the fatherless. Like the harvest. And we'll engrave or paint or stamp onto these bricks into this wall we're going to build. And we're asking you all to make a sacrifice of $275 a month towards a brick or partner up with somebody else. Everybody does something. So we ask you all to make a pledge from the card, this little I'm all in card. And if you haven't done it, you still can. You can get them in the front and you can give another time. You can give online. We're not receiving an offering, but I'm telling you about it so we can rejoice in what this church is doing. We've received two offerings only in this church. And at this point, I don't plan to do another one in the immediate future. We've sold 18 bricks totaling $60,000. And we have pledges in total, if everybody keeps their pledge for the rest of the year, if everybody keeps their pledge, we have $447,586 in in pledges. That's over a half million dollars that that our powerful and mighty church has given together towards the living stones. It's just one of the sacrifices. I believe you should be volunteering, serving. I believe you should be a part of the things we're doing and be connected as best as you can. And I'm sorry if you didn't like Marlene or you didn't like me or you didn't like Jeremy. They won't be the only leaders we ever have here and you don't have to like everybody. Did you know that? I've had some ministers and leaders in my life I didn't really gel gel or jive with. I'm sure David didn't jive well with Saul. And I'm not, I don't believe any of us are Saul's. Right. I recommend you all read the book, A Tale of Three Kings. Yeah. If you haven't read it, it's an incredible, we have them in the bookstore in the front or you can get them online on your e-readers. A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. So I learned this a long time ago. I stay in position, to be where God calls me to be even if somebody throws spears at me. And I've been in situations where pastors have thrown spears at me. And you know what I did? Played my harp and sang my song. You play your harp and sing your song, even if somebody wants to kill you or you didn't mesh well with somebody. Because God will refine you by putting you with people you may not necessarily like. That's how God works. You got that? Let's all stand.